sell <laughs> what the hell this is, this is your host jason jenkins i'm here with my my boys alex z and Demetric ferguson as usual you always sound so excited to start these shows i like it <laughs> i like the juice i like it um buy or sell what the f- that's pretty much how everyone feels for the or entire buy, sell oh. i think uh, i think recently oh recently at least what the hell <laughs> that last one is how it feels recently <laughs> like you said Alec it's just uh, it's one of those moments where you really leverage your dollar cost averaging strategy hardcore for someone like me <laughs> so anyways uh, we got a good show built up today and yeah we'll talk a little bit more trading we've had some good guests on we'll keep that yeah. going We've gotten good response from you guys. Um, we're glad that you like the show with Phil um, because getting legal guidance is probably important at this yeah. point in the development of this crypto economy. So, yep, no doubt. Well, uh, it's just us three stooges. So let's do the markets, I guess, first. I mean, we can touch on the news in a second. People always like to kind of point to why price is doing what it is. But um, the reality is the why only matters so much. I mean, when you want to talk risk management, it's more about hey, how are you gonna how are you gonna play it? How are you gonna manage your risk? Um, where is the risk? So, you know, we've been talking a lot about BTC. Um, Twelve thousand has been a big level. So we doubled off the lows, right? I think last episode we were kind of talking about six thousand we have something we call our pie line down there the market held it exactly and that's more of a cyclical phenomenon and so we went from six back to twelve and that was that was a pretty good two and a half week rally and then we've had two daily cycles off of that high so there's a the high here um for February was the twentieth basically had a six seven day uh, intermediate term down move. We bounced back to that same 12,000 area, failed right in front of it. And both of those highs came on uh, the top of the daily cycle, as we call it. So that cycle has been playing out. And then that cycle rolled over Monday. And you took out prior the prior day's low, which hadn't happened since um, really the middle of February, where you took out the prior day's low after the last cycle low but that happened actually sunday night we took out the low into monday and that cycle crossed so we've been talking about a retest of 9300 and whether or not we break that level is pretty major the market's sitting on it right now um if you look at the gdax we're at 9341 and so we've actually had an intraday move today below that level I think the low is like 9,000, depending on what exchange you're looking at. And so it's going to be big today to see where we close. I think the listeners, that's helpful. We watch this 9,300 area. And if you get a daily close below it, I think you need to be cautious because there's not a lot until 8,000 is kind of the next support area. And then, again, we got our pie lines down closer to to 6,800. So <clears throat> we've, been, we've been trying to stay patient. Not getting above twelve thousand mattered, and then if we break ninety three hundred on a daily close, that's that's going to matter. And 
it opens up the door for more uh, room to the downside. So that's what I, I see is most important from a price perspective here, Thursday the 8th. Okay. <clears throat> what do you I guys? I you guys soaked all that up. Um, I'm the resident dollar cost averager, so I don't know if I, I don't dig deep into trading as much as I should. If I see a glaring flag, I'm like, okay, obviously I should probably pour some Bitcoin into whatever that is and try and get, make a little profits. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I see is that you, when you said 12,000 was that test and you were right, uh, you were righter than right according to what's happening in the markets. So, uh, or I don't know, do we call it right? Because everything seems to be temporary. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just, this just is what it is. That was a big spot. We couldn't get above it. So now it just, now we're testing the low end of that intermediate term range. If you break the low end, then you can look at the big picture low end of the range, which is back towards 6,000, 7,000. So we kind of do our analysis, what's called if then analysis so a really good analyst or a good trader it's not about hey you know i got this ego i think the market's gonna go here it's got to do this it has to do this it's about managing your risk if this happens i'm gonna play it this way or if price can't prove itself above twelve thousand, what is the market telling me okay then we can maybe the cycle rolls over when we look at it from a time component there's plenty of there's plenty of time for the market to ebb and flow back the other way and so that's that's what we mean by if if this happens then this it can happen if we break 9300 then this is possible like it does no good for me to talk about 20,000 i mean i i think we're going to trade there but get get me above 12,000 first and then i'll talk to you about whether or not we you know what's are we going to what's the cycle look or the time frame to retest 20,000. But until then, it's kind of not really helpful. That's kind of how, that's how a real, you know, trader looks at it. The if like then analysis. I like your approach. You live in reality and you live on the conditions of the current reality. So yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. So people, uh, you know, not people, uh, people say things like crash or drop uh i i think it was people will say that bitcoin crashed because it went down you know nine hundred dollars a thousand dollars an hour that's pretty that's like a normal day in crypto mm -hmm. um but could we talk about like i know there's an old saying i've heard throughout the time is is like uh you sell the news so like all markets are affected by news there's no way around that, but it seems like news like really affects the crypto market. It's almost like exacerbated. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably has to do with how quickly information spreads. I mean, when you look at Twitter two seconds after, uh, you know, some alleged hack happens, it's already spread over Twitter before anyone actually takes the time to confirm it. Mm -hmm. Just as an example. That is a good example. We're talking about Binance, yeah? Yep. 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 I mean, it wasn't a good week for centralized exchanges, period. Mt. Gox, seven years later, is still playing around with the market. Yeah. Uh, and Binance, yeah. I mean, I think what they ran into uh, vulnerability with the API. Uh, I didn't actually look too much into it, but at yeah. least it was resolved quickly. I think we're... <laughs> It's funny you mentioned Twitter. I think we're going down a dangerous path nowadays, and this goes across everything, not just trading, not just crypto, that we follow the people and they give us what we want to hear and we think everything's okay. Now, that's not to say that the guy who runs Binance didn't tweet that out and he said, you know, everyone's funds are safe. Nothing, went ha nothing was wrong. We had some issues with the bots. Right. We basically just took his word for it. Like, yeah. where's the third party? There should almost be like Twitter agents that they've got to like third party Twitter agents to say, is that a true tweet? 
Because well, right I, now, you know, we just got to take your word for it. I think you're advocating for government regulation there. Well, I mean, <laughs> an I did say government <laughs> agents. I, I, I have said uh, Judge Dredd needs to be real in the past. In a past life, I said that. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we just took his word for it. You know, we're just like, oh. I knew everything was okay. Let me wipe all this sweat off my brow and continue to carry on. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, what it's about, so. I mean, I don't know what the solution is. That's just part of reacting to the headlines. Yep. I mean, in crypto, it does seem like that, but it, it's the same in other markets. When we were trading treasuries, I mean, all the fixed income guys, are sitting around waiting for the treasury auction at one o'clock. You know, every <clears throat> every month, uh, the government issues. You know, we issue more debt. So there's a ten year auction. There's a two year auction. There's a five year auction. Mm -hmm. But if you weren't, if you were a stock guy, you could care less. But man, any kind of whatever that news was in front of one o'clock, around one o'clock. I mean, it would move the bond market the same way. Mm -hmm. I remember I was trading. Even uh, if you, the uh, Boston bombing, the uh, I had a I had a guy call me up. One of our clients, who's a ran a muni portfolio, and his son was like probably a hundred yards from the blast and heard it. And I mean, he was okay, but uh, he actually called our desk. And I, so I I he told us that he thought that there was a bombing in Boston and. And we were like, what? We didn't hear anything. And so he bought 30-year treasuries like right away. And that news didn't hit probably for a good another two minutes, which is really slow for for markets. I mean, we've had a lot of those scares where it's like pretty much right away. But there still is – it's kind of interesting to see that like two to five to ten-minute delay before the bigger media channels pick it up. Twitter is actually faster than the media. We saw that evolution because before you were either watching Bloomberg, you're watching CNBC, Bloomberg, you're paying for data, you're paying for, it's two grand a month for a Bloomberg terminal. You're paying for fast uh, news headlines. And so you get a flashing red bar across your Bloomberg terminal, typically before CNBC would pick it up. Mm -hmm. But Twitter is even faster because you know, somebody could be right there on the ground, tweet that out, and it spreads, you know, it spreads a lot quicker, quicker than, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> right from the source, instead of having to go through Bloomberg yeah. or CNBC. So it's literally the guy, you know, there on scene tweeting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's why we would start watching, try to put together a good tweeter, or tweeter, tweeter, good Twitter <laughs> following, because then... You, you know, that you get your information sometimes a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. But it, you're right, Dimitri's like, it's there's a lot of disinformation out there too. And, and some of it's on purpose even. So we trading around the headlines is tough. I mean, I, I see it yesterday. As soon as people's natural reaction is, oh, you better sell your Binance coin. It's like, to me, it's like, why? Why would I sell now? I'm already I'm already missing the move. Mm -hmm. You know, the better way to do it is, well, the, the cycle was high two days ago. I wish you would have taken some profits then. And now the news hits. And guess what? Now you get to buy my Binance 10% cheaper. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's not, we don't want to, you don't want to be in a, you don't want to be in the mode of what's the news. Oh, I'm going to react. You're usually going to always be on the wrong side of that. Yeah. <clears throat> I almost feel like we should bring. A guy on the team in his position is called the Derek Tweeter. From what you said, <laughs> we just call him Derek Tweeter. And never call him by his real name. Probably get sued, but only call him <laughs> Derek Tweeter. <laughs> anyway, mm -hmm. so that's a little bit of what what's been in the news, right? Um, yeah. I like starting a show like this, by the way. Just get right into the market. What big what Bitcoin's been doing? Because it's the big daddy. That's what people no care about. It. You know, and then kind of talk about some news. So there was some other news that came up that you were discussing a little bit before the show, JJ. Um, 
that asks the question, are tokens issued through an ICO a security? Right? And this goes to an article in, okay, I hope it's coming up on your guys' computer because my computer just farted a little bit. Nope, got it. <laughs> Fintech Law Blog. Uh, it's a criminal case in Brooklyn, New York. A federal court has been asked to decide for the first time whether tokens or coins issued through an ICO constitute as securities under the U.S. securities laws. So mm-hmm. what are... Let's define, like, we, we've been hearing this for the better part of half a year now. It's like, it's a utility token, or it's a security token. Let's get JJ's take, you guys' take on what a security is. What are some different securities? And can tokens even fall under this umbrella? Yeah, it's, well, it's a good topic. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to watch this one. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I read through the the criminal complaint. I didn't read the civil complaint and it's just weird how fast it went to criminal. It's like, well, and then I read through it. I get why it seemed like that guy. I mean, just based on their allegations, he did have a lot of, according to them, had a lot of misleading statements and then never invested in real estate, never invested in diamonds, didn't ever create a token. So, I mean, I get that from a fraud perspective, but anyway, <clears throat> I think when we talk about securities without getting into like the last show, obviously not being able to give legal advice. I mean, I've had my series seven and 63. So, you know, the way they classify securities, I think if you want to have a real negative, if you really want to go after the ICOs, they just throw this big blanket and say, well, security is anything that's fungible and it has an investment um, uh, implication. Well, that's not, that's not really fair when we really define what a security is because we have the SEC that handles stocks and bonds, but yet we have the CFTC because we've, we've decided that commodities aren't a security quote unquote. We've, we've deemed them as commodities. So security, I mean, in most of the definitions is, you know, stocks, bonds, warrants, options which are a derivative of the equity market but even things like uh insurance products like uh variable annuities um i said warrants already right Mm -hmm. and then i think there's other kind of gray areas and other insurance i mean mutual funds are obviously and then you got then came etfs and um so that puts reits in there too and all those other products but there's still some gray areas. Like I think some of the insurance products are considered securities, but some aren't. So there is some gray area there on the definition. I mean, I think that cryptocurrency, we're still trying to put it in one of those boxes. I think it's its own box. It, to me, a lot of times, most of the, the digital assets do kind of have more commodity type of character uh, characteristics. I think CFTC is probably going to end up kind of coming in and probably that would be my guess is they do more of the actual regulation on the trading side and the asset management side. And then SEC is kind of taking this role on for the ICOs, which I get. But I mean, I look at what we've what we're trying to do with our token. And people have told me, well, it's. It either is a security or it's not a security. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. And my answer is no. That's not the, that's not necessarily true. I'm not talking. I'm talking about our token can have a rewards feature. So you could you could say, now this is a rewards token. It can have a utility token. Um, it can have um, you know, it can act as a crypt as a currency type feature, like the ethers of the world and Bitcoin. So trying to just put it in one box all the time and then it's either this or it's that. I mean, I think yeah. we got to – you guys know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know exactly what you're trying to say. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it just seems like they're really trying to differentiate between the non-securities and the security tokens. Uh, yeah. And they're – I mean, maybe they're just trying to scare people into, you know, scaring the exchanges, scaring anyone acting in that gray area just to comply. I mean, for whatever reason, I mean, everyone kind of knew it was coming. 
Uh, but I think they're just trying to scare. I don't think they're really going to do too much besides scare people. Uh, I mean, they can't they can't go too hard against it because that's going to crush any sort of chance the United States has in the new asset class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, I, I'd love to hear what they think about decentralized exchanges. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. Don't careful now, Alec. We're not trying to make the brains melt. We are gonna. <laughs> We're gonna need well, some no, no, no. I think, need I think they framework. completely understand that. I think they understand that because what they can't go too, they can't go too aggressive because mm-hmm. it's just gonna push everyone to decentralized exchanges quicker. Yep. So I, I think, I'd say time. From yeah. from like a human perspective, I think that whenever you have systems in place that are going well for so long, you get really complacent. And when something new comes along, it's hard to pivot and adapt. And I think mm-hmm. the SEC, the, F, the CFTC, IRS, I think all of these institutions are now presented with a, oh, shit, we've got to do hard work again and create some processes and create some framework and infrastructure for people. Crap. I think a lot of these like blanket moves that they're doing um, – are them trying to get out of having to do hard work again. <laughs> that's, that's all it seems like to me is like, well, let's just call it this and let's call it that. Why can't we call it this already? We already have, well, that this, it's not those things. You cannot define it as those things. You're going to have to come up with a new definition. Sorry, government. You're going to have to work again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break it to you because if you don't, people are going to program around you, and then you're going to miss out on the opportunity to stay in the game for many of it. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I'd like to see the the private sector kind of lead with, hey, this is what we're calling this, or this is what we yeah. think it should be called. And, I mean, what's good with the ICOs, I mean, you can't have people – guaranteeing returns you can't tell you can't have in a white paper or or, or gosh for for goodness sake a, a, a page that doesn't have a white paper that just talks about hey we have these guaranteed returns or if you invest in this um it's gonna go it's gonna rise in value because of this i mean you don't you don't invest in anything and know it could go up it could go down it could go sideways but that's what to, to mislead the the kind of the masses, which is what the ICO has done, right? It's taking crowdfunding. And and that was the idea with the sophisticated investors. And you do want to have, you do need to have that level of some sort of uh, regulation because, I mean, yeah, the SEC, do they need to maybe uh, get a little bit more creative and maybe that, you know, it's too big of a project or done a good they've done a good job on a lot of stuff but you don't get to you don't get to have big money and real capital invest in a country that doesn't have the rules and doesn't have the oversight like you can't have like look at south africa right now all of a sudden you're a white farmer and you're, you, your government just told you they're going to take your property same thing happened in zimbabwe i mean that's you just you just destroyed your economy congratulations now all the capital is gonna is not gonna invest there <laughs> and it's going to want to get the hell out of there. So you can't have, you got to have the rules in place so that, mm-hmm. okay, we, we want to foster the investment. Is it but so at the hard same to- time, but at the same time, not stifle the innovation. So yeah. there's entrepreneurs that, I mean, I know what it's like. You try to go raise money the old ways and it's slow. It's a lot of competition. You're going to, you know, it's, Sometimes the banks didn't want to lend. Sometimes the the venture capital guys, you know, they they got other deals. It's tougher for a really small business to raise capital. We saw that coming out of 2008. The ICO market, man, you have a good idea. You don't have to sit around and try to get in front of – you don't have to fly to New York and hope that, you know, Shark Tank likes your idea. Is that, <laughs> is that in New York? Or they do Shark Tank. I think they do New York. I think they do to New York. I'm pretty sure you're right on that. I mean, that's that's to me. It's like that was the old way. Hey, you got to go. I got to get in front of. Oh, you know, it's like, man, not, why did the internet? Why why can't we just raise a lot of money from a lot of people and have a really good idea or just so much faster and easier? And crypto helped do that. 
but at the same time, of course, then we got all we got the big connects of the world and yeah, and every <laughs> scammy scammers. I think is it so hard to come up with a flow chart? Like I feel like I've made many flow charts in my life that ask a question and then if it's yes or no, then it branches off and goes into how I should treat this situation. Like can they can the SEC at least give us that? Like don't give me a page of jargon I'm gonna have to spend an entire afternoon Googling a third of the words. Just yeah. give me a flow chart that says if I'm doing this, yes, this is how I should conduct myself. If I'm doing this, no. Okay, am I doing this? Yes. Then this is how I should conduct how I build my thing. That would be helpful. Like and I, I always wonder where I kind of want to know the procedures to how some of these headlines come out, right? Like if it's a coin desk, is somebody who sent who decides to hit the tape with that particular article? I mean, we know what kind of corruption goes on at the bigger media houses. Mm-hmm. But like what I mean, you know the SEC's talking to the guys at Coinbase and the guys at Bitrix. So I don't know why we get these headlines out of nowhere. It's like, oh, well, yeah. the SEC has decided that some exchanges might be acting as exchanges. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not to derail the conversation, I had a Shark Tank idea if you guys want to hear it. Okay. This will be good. All right. Pitch your ICO. Uh, this is, this is, it, I could tokenize this product. It'd be non fungible. <laughs> uh, I eat my cereal out of coffee mugs because that's what I do. You can judge me if you want to. I don't care. Haters going to hate. Uh, but I thought, like, if somebody put a handle on a bowl and I called the idea handleable, like something's handleable, but it's a bowl, it was a <laughs> terrible idea. It still is a terrible idea. And it, it only I'd be the only person on the planet that bought that. But <laughs> well, you could probably drop ship, sell it to someone. I get see enough of those YouTube advertisements about all these guys that can sell anything on YouTube. Yeah. There's got to be a country where people eat a lot of soup, and that's it. And so they'd love the idea of having a bowl with a handle. So you're just talking about a slightly larger coffee cup. Um, let's not get into particulars here, Alec. Let's not get into particulars. Alec. You're right. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm talking about a bowl with a I need to, I need to see the prototype before. <laughs> I'll send you my post-its. All right. And see. So okay. that's what you've been working on, Dimitrik, is a white paper <clears throat> for Hannibal. Yeah. It's yeah. Totally, I'm totally going to tokenize them. Non-fungible. Um, okay. So is there anything, anything else in the news that you guys wanted to discuss that – I mean, we're not going to be that show that's like the market is down because of this event. Yeah, we're never going to do that because that doesn't explain what's happening. But we are going to give you guys some news because why not? Well, Alec, you mentioned um, decentralized exchanges, and you know that's part of what we're what we're building on with our rhythm platform. And I was thinking about this last couple of days is that. Uh, that's definitely, I mean, that's definitely where we feel the, the industry is going to go towards, um, you know, the zero X protocols, atomic swaps, what we were trying to build on the technology side also. Um, but I think what I was thinking was interesting is that, you know, you're still going to have to bring buyers and sellers together. It's just, we're going to get rid of the whole, you have to, you have to have your assets with the custodian in order to trade. So that's. That's the smarter way. That's the that makes sense to do, but you still have to bring the buyers and sellers together. And I was thinking, you know, actually, what's what's going to change with crypto is that it's not only just bringing the human, it's one human buyer and one human seller, or you know, a big institutional desk with several people on their desk that need to buy and sell, or an energy company with a whole natural gas trading desk that needs to buy and sell. You still need to match all those market players. But with crypto and with the blockchain, you're going to be matching machines that need to buy and sell, and you're going to need to bring those those entities to market. I mean, no longer are you going to just have – I mean, you could have five McDonald's kiosks at the end of the day 
that need to go to market or go to an exchange to swap out whatever. Maybe the owner of the McDonald's or as a, as a company, McDonald's says, well, we only want to hold Bitcoin because, you know, it's the most stable, which is not stable right now. But relatively speaking, it probably will be one of the most stable coins as the market develops. But they say, yeah, we want to hold BTC. It's company policy. So at the end of the day, anyone that came up and paid in dollars, Maybe, you know, maybe we put that electronically in a little bit different fashion, but we had people pay with Dash, we had people pay with Ether, we have all these coins between these five registers. At the end of the day, that the the machine has to convert to BTC so that it's it knows it's holding the books in BTC. That's where that's where the trading is gonna just you're gonna have to do that on the exchanges, you're gonna have to do that in a decentralized manner. Third party stuff can all go away. But I, I think that's that's interesting to think about is that you're not going to just have humans buying and selling. You're going to have all kinds of machines coming to market that need to to trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of projects doing that. It's definitely uh, the way forward. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. You know, cryptocurrencies were created as an alternative to centralization. You know, of banking and payment services. But you you know, it requires trust just to get access to that ecosystem. Yeah. It's completely counterintuitive. And think about the process too. You know, it's like, what do you got to do? You got to take all those coins out of the register. You take all the the paper dollars out, and then and what? I don't. I know. I haven't actually worked behind the counter. I think I'm sure they put it in a vault or something. Or at the end of the day, it goes somewhere, and then it gets taken to the bank. Well. The internet and blockchain, all that can happen immediately. No, no human needs to touch it at the end of the day. You know? No, I mean, it's all, it's all coming. It just takes a, a little bit for that level of technology to mature. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the price valuations, the transaction volume, the adoption levels, everything's exploded for decentralized exchange. Yeah. Solution. Generalized so, state channels are going. And so, to like, part of, part of rhythm, what we'll be doing then is you still have to bring the buyers and sellers together. You know, you still, you could, that those machines are going to need to find a market where they're going to try to find where the best bid is or where the best offer is, or they're going to want to go be a part of some community that either has some options on, hey, we like these particular, these particular asset classes right here, right now. We're not bullish on these. And then help the machines make those kind of decisions as far as, you know, do they want to sell this? Do they want to sell that? Do they want to buy more of this? Do they want to hold this? <clears throat> I hate to sound this sci-fi, but have we thought about the possibility of when machines program a better decentralized exchange than we can? Well, like, as long as we get to use it, I don't really care. <laughs> I think that that's it right there. I mean, it'll lower my fees? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Perfect. That's the perfect response. Wait, is, That's the perfect. Is the token available on Binance yet? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know if we have any any other news. I'm terrible at segueing today, but oh wait, here here's a segue. Speaking of a place where you can trade lots of different tokens, we should talk about a couple different tokens. Ah, hey, that's pretty smooth. That was smooth. That was good. I like that one. Um, so we had some token highlights today. Just like we typically do, pull up a chart, maybe you know talk about what the the behavior on the chart is, and if you guys are interested, you can look into that chart too. You down with a little bit of that, JJ? Sounds good. All right. So the first token highlight status token, um, SNT. Is the ticker? Okay. Um, let's see. A little bit about Status Token is trying to be like a chat service slash DAP marketplace for the entire Ethereum network. Um, that's its sales pitch. That's its elevator pitch. Go and look it up if you want to know more about it. But let's take a look at what it, the chart's been saying this tumultuous yeah. year. For I mean, it's status. it's a typical. I always say this, but it's a typical crypto move. It just it's basis for a while and then just goes vertical to the moon. I mean, uh, this thing you can actually, this, this token you can price in, in tether, which is nice. So 
I mean, it was trading at two cents. Two cents quadrupled. Did a 50% retrace to about 50 cents and then went to two. Um, so another quadruple. Pulled back for three weeks and then absolutely went straight up and went nuts to uh, 50 cents. So he went from, yeah, he went from five cents to 10 cents, pulled back 10 cents to 50 cents, and then absolutely just all the energy and all the wind came out of the sails. And it's back to 15 cents now. You're kind of close back to the 200. And you're looking at another almost 80% retrace of the move. So yeah. you just get a lot of that, you know? It's the bottom falls out after the, the run-up's over. And, I, you know, who knows if it's, I don't know, is this orchestrated pump? Yeah. I don't know. I don't really get into that, but a lot of them trade like that. It's very funny you say that because that almost like one-to-one -one follows the story of the Bitcoin value price. Like you said, it yeah. went from 5 to 10, right? Then it went up, skyrocketed 50 cents and came all the way back down to 15 cents. Yeah. And then absolutely exploded in four days to 55 cents. To 55 cents. Um, but it reminds me of that video that goes around the internet all the time is like Bitcoin crashed and then it went all the way up to something and crashed yeah. all the way back down to, but it seems like it's, it's crashing for lack of a better word down to like a higher low. Yeah. And then yep. going up and that's what they keep doing that's what these crypto charts typically say so yeah yep. like 10 steps forward and then nine steps back <laughs> yep. right that's and that's true. pretty i mean you see that in the small cap markets too these smaller markets it doesn't take much to really move them up and then once the bid falls out it's just kind of it takes a while for it to bounce bounce around the bottom it needs to rest it kind of has to build a base again and then you know the next kind of bull cycle starts okay well i have a feeling you're gonna say the same thing about this next token because they're all <laughs> crypto tokens and their charts tell the same story but what about auger rep uh rep yeah that one's uh it seems like a lot of a lot of people have an interest in this one i mean this this one's listed on shapeshift you know so Actually, I don't think those guys are interested in just putting any token out there on their platform. Uh, Alec no. will probably know more about the ins and outs of them. I know a little bit about Augur. Um, I actually had about 50 rep, and I lost him um, because I sent it to a wrong thing. If you do that in crypto, um, you lose your money. It's basically like putting a bunch of dollar bills in an envelope and then turning that envelope into a paper airplane and just throwing it off a cliff. Uh, yeah. no, no, <laughs> so. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the idea is interesting with the decentralization of, you know, predict predictions, you know, and yes. then combine that with human knowledge. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, there actually is. There's interesting mathematics behind it, actually, is that the, the wisdom of the mass is a, is a mathematic co concept that uh, states that if you get a group of people that is big enough and diverse enough, they will be smarter than any expert ever. And uh, it's, pre it's a pretty powerful notion. I think if you watch some videos on the internet of prediction markets, there's like, you get thousands of people from all different walks of life guessing something like how many yards a running back is going to have in a big game, and they get like within 10 yards, right? They just vote. And that vote pulls it close to what the reality is going to be. It's a very, very creepy phenomenon. But Augur uses this with prediction markets. So mm -hmm. you can basically build a market out of anything, right? We could have said two years ago, um, I think there's a 70% probability Donald Trump wins the presidential election. And then you get thousands and thousands and thousands of people to vote on that market that you've built. and you can, you know, build a little market off of yeah anything. So that's a little bit about Augur. It's a very fascinating project. It's been a decentralized prediction market for years now. 
I would, if that sounds like something that's cool to you and uh, not world ending at all, you should go look up, <laughs> go look them up because prediction markets are actually kind of illegal, uh, but they're decentralized. So whatever. <laughs> uh, that's good advice, but whatever. Uh, well, decentralized means they're, they've been decentralized from the yeah. jump. So there's, yeah. who's the government going to go to? No, exactly. So no, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, anyways, that's Augur. But what did the charts say for Rep? Uh, <clears throat> well, you kind of have two long-term cycles. So after this one ICO'd, well, actually, hold on. I mean, basically, the, bull, the last big bull market was March of... This one, this coin's been around a long time, huh? Very long time. Since about 2014, 2015. The chart just keeps growing on me here. I'm dragging it horizontally through time. All right. So now, okay. This is versus BTC, so it's not exactly the best way to chart it. But <clears throat> it, it came right out of the gates and basically was in bear market all the way until. So the ICO was... What was this? Uh, well, I'm not sure if this is when the ICO was, but this is when it started trading on Bitrix. This is what I'm looking at. That's all I have up. So that's October 2016. It went down and to the right basically until February of last year. And then you had your first real big uh, bull run versus Bitcoin. So it went from 450,000 sats to uh 1.4 million does that really have to trade this thing <laughs> versus btc like i mean this one's going out the full uh -oh. eight decimals you gonna start paying to the old rep token what i said you gonna start trading rep token a little more heavily looking <laughs> at it it's a pretty mature token it's been around for a while all right, so it was. It's just weird when you look at something that goes eight decimals. It's four hundred thousand to one point three million sats. I guess mm -hmm. that's something. This is something too that's annoying about trading versus BTC. But it was a triple. So it tripled from the February of last year. It tripled. Then it had another bear market that lasted essentially six months, and it finally popped out of that here in December. And had another big rally where it basically tripled again. And so the big move, though, just to get a visual for an audio, somebody that's listening, uh, you know, just to, to the words here is December to the highs, basically at the end of January, it tripled. And now you're all the way back to basically the same levels it broke out from. So another 80% retrace, like you thought, Dimitri. And that's okay. I mean, you could trade it. It's just, I think your risk is back below the lows from the last bull market that started in December. And you can just average in like you like to do D there and just the risk is below the low. Well, uh, how about There's some good volatility on that though? I mean, it's tough for me to get into what, what, what we call the bands, but I could just measure some of these moves. I mean, um, what are you going to say, Alec? I, mean, I was going to say, why don't we just hit the majors then? Maybe a little bit easier. Okay. Going down the list. I mean, just, just to say on this coin, I mean, the first two-day move was 380% off the low. Then you had a pullback, did another 100% move. I mean, so when you you do find a coin like this and you work a core position, that's what's, that is what's nice about some of these that really whip around. I mean... Basically, inside of three months, there was one 300% move, another 56% move, and then a 100% move. If you got bad timing and you're buying a little too high, then you're on the other side of that, though. 100% <laughs> collapse, 80% collapse, and another 80% collapse. Whew. I really hope you have some timing because if not, then... You could end up under a bridge somewhere making bad moves on that token. So be careful. <laughs> Holy shit. Those are some pretty severe drops. 
I know that's why you gotta you gotta have a process and a timing method in these markets. I mean, you just this volatility will just eat you up. <clears throat> uh, so you guys want to do the majors? I kind of covered Bitcoin. Let's do the majors. Uh, you you did Bitcoin up top, which is probably good. We I like starting the show like that, honestly. Um, but let's do Bcash. Um, I'm sorry, Roger, since you're not listening. Bitcoin Cash, Ether. <laughs> And Litecoin. All right. Um, Bitcoin Cash is, you know, it was kind of relatively on a relative value basis, cheap relative to Litecoin, Bitcoin, and Ethereum a couple of weeks ago. And we added to some, and it just, I think that was around 1200 and just got zero follow through. And then the overall market rolled over with this last cycle. So it, it broke those lows. It looks like this kind of the rest of the majors it's the same looking daily cycle as bitcoin it rolled over three days ago but unlike bitcoin that has that 9300 level that's the higher low um bitcoin cash already broke that low which was around 11,115. so there's room for it to fall to the the february lows so bitcoin bottomed on february 6 right and Bitcoin Cash did the same thing, down around 800. To me, with the cycle, and it looks like there's room for it to fall to 800. I, I think that's where the risk is. And Ethereum, it's it's very similar chart. Just had it up. Let me switch back. Um, it was kind of in a tight base, and you could really never take out this downtrend line that's been in existence since the highs of 1400. And so now we rolled over, you broke the lows down around 800, and now there's room for it to fall back to to its lows from February 6th. So. Oh, we know what that's time it. that is. Yeah. That's, Dimitrik, that's your turn to, uh, I don't know, snack time? I don't know. <laughs> you, said you, were making, you said you were making lunch before we started the show. So. I was. I was. It was uh, salmon. You can eat. Uh, shout out to the weirdos that say salmon, and uh, it was delicious. So. But to summarize, guys, it just looks like what the cycle is doing two days ago, and the fact that I mean Ethereum couldn't hold a pivot low. There's a lot of room for us to kind of leak lower into the lows from. February 6th. So that's kind of what our model's saying. So how you play that, raise some cash. We've been talking about being short some futures, if that's something that you can do, um, just as a hedge. And then look to buy some, be patient to buy some lower levels here, if and when we retest those lows. Is that all? Do we hit up Litecoin? Do we hit up Charlie Lee coin? Uh, yeah, Litecoin. Litecoin's a little bit different because the cycle is completely different looking. So it actually cycled off the highs um, about a week before this last rollover on BTC and Ethereum. Um, but it had a big level of 180 and it couldn't hold it. So if you can't, if you don't hold yesterday's low, which is down around 175. I think that's a good way to manage your risk. If you get a daily close below the low from yesterday, which we're about two and a half points off that low, then you got to think the same way that the prior lows when the market held all the way down in front of 100. So you got the 200 day, everybody's going to have that on their chart. That's 133. If you break that, then the, the lows from February is down around 100. You can't really rule that out. So. <clears throat> we're pretty cautious there. I think you can be patient. I mean, we're going to be buyers back at 125, 100 for sure. But I'm just kind of waiting to see if we get those levels. Okay. So, That's a pretty good rundown. Let's see, take this get, time. Go so, ahead. we go both ways. You're not going to just hear, you know, we're not permabulls over here always saying that crypto can only go one way, which is, you know, to the moon. So we, we like to go both ways. There you go. You heard it there from JJ. And let's take this time to harp on um, 
some points. Uh, one point in particular that you brought up is you got to have a plan. You got to have a process. Um, wrap that around the if-then conditionals that you talked about at the top of the show. If you don't have a plan and you don't have a process, you probably should be spending time in our crypto team, right? So we have two chat rooms. We have a regular chat room. Um, find a link in the show notes. You can go there to talk all, all kinds of trading. Trading uh, Forex, you guys talk about a lot. A lot more institutional, kind of traditional market talk goes in, on in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys are talking about trading um, baseball cards, if that were a market that existed. <laughs> that was big. Um, well, it does exist. I don't know how big it is, though. Um, and then there's the crypto team. Now, there's a fee to join the crypto team, but the wealth of knowledge that you get from being exposed to everyone that's in there trading 24-7, it's well worth it. Trust me. So that link is also in the show notes, right? So if you're unsure, you're like, I don't know if I want to pay a fee, join the Trading Talk channel and see how in-depth the Trading Talk goes. And what are you missing? Well, I can tell you what you're missing. You're missing real-time alerts. You're, miss, you're missing a dedicated team that's just trading crypto all around the clock. You're not going to be able to keep track of all these tokens by yourself. You're not. Trust me. They're talking about around the clock. JJ's popping in. I don't know. I feel like you should join up. Yep. Well said. Alec, did you have anything else? No, no, no. no. It was very good, Dimitri. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully see some of you guys in there. Yes, JenkinsRM.com, you know, my Twitter handle. What did I say earlier in the show? Tweeter. My Twitter handle is <laughs> at the Jason Jenkins, at the Jason Jenkins, trying to be on there more. Derek Tweeter, get on that. And then our YouTube channel. We've been streaming some stuff live here a few times a week also on there. It's pretty easy to jump on and interact with us. All right. Well, wrapping it up. All right, guys, good stuff. Until next week. See you guys.